Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of Revolution Recap. We've got a special one for you today, this time for once not focusing on the New England Revolution. Uh, instead, on the Revolution finally having a week without a midweek game, we've brought on Brett Johnson, the CEO of Benevolent Capital and the founder of Fortuitous Partners. Um, if you're in New England, you probably know him as the guy that is spearheading the Tidewater Landing Project in Pawtucket. A lot of excitement going on there as they look to bring a USL championship team uh, and possibly a, a lot more. Um, down there. It was a, a very interesting interview. I'm Sean Donahue. Greg Johnstone joined me for this interview. Greg, what, what was your takeaway from this interview? I thought there was a, a lot of interesting stuff that I you know, wasn't fully aware of going into it. Yeah, no, I, I was really excited about this interview because I, I mentioned to him before we started started the official interview uh, that I actually used to be a real estate appraiser uh, out of North Alboro. And so I'm very familiar with Pawtucket. I've driven through Pawtucket a million times and I know the real estate market down there. And I'm just very excited about this project uh, overall. I was extremely excited to talk to him today. Yeah, I, I learned a lot about this team. I learned a lot about him. Uh, and we learned a little bit too about a potential women's soccer com- team coming to uh, Rhode Island as well, which I thought was very, very interesting. I wasn't expecting to learn a lot about that today. Yeah, overall, a lot of really, really good material, especially if you're in the area, if you're a Rhode, Rhode Island fan, uh, if you're a local soccer USL fan, uh, this is gonna be a really, really good informational uh, interview for you. Yeah, I think there's a, a lot of good stuff in this one. And quickly, I don't think we're gonna do an outro, but before we jump into it, Greg, do you want to tell everybody where they can find us on social media? Yes, uh, you can follow us at Revolution Recap on Twitter. We also have a Revolution Recap Facebook page uh, and a Revolution Recap Instagram page. And also make sure you are subscribed to our iTunes channel or on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please keep reviewing. We've gotten a lot of really positive reviews lately. The more reviews we get, the more we are inspired uh, to do bonus episodes like these. So please keep it coming. Uh, And also, I should probably mention our sponsor, Galasso Kits. Galasso Kits' mission is to bring unique vintage jerseys to your home with a catalog of jerseys, jackets, scarves, and more from clubs and national teams from over 80 countries in the world. The passion for the beautiful game doesn't have borders and neither does selection with every corner of the planet represented. Check out GalassoKits.com for their full selection uh, and make sure you follow them at GalassoKits on Twitter and GalassoKits on Instagram for updates on their new inventory. And if you find something you like, please use promo code REVSRECAP for 15% off. And if you can't decide on what you want, you can get a mystery kit. I don't know if people have seen it on social media yet, but Chris Lucas, our other co-host, ordered a mystery kit, and he got a very sweet kit from the Malaysian national team. I think it was a 2011 a 2011 Malaysian national kit team kit. Really snazzy, really like it. I'm pretty jealous of it. Uh, I'm going to be getting a mystery kit soon, so I'm curious to see what I get. So there, there's something for everyone there. So please make sure you check out Galasso Kits at Galasso Kits on Twitter and 15% off if you use promo code REVSRECAP. And with that, we'll jump right into the interview with Brett Johnson. Today, we welcome to Revolution Recap Brett Johnson, the CEO of Benevolent Capital and the founder of Fortuitous Partners, who over the past eight years has become a major investor in soccer, both in the United States and in Europe. In New England, Brett is spearheading the Tidewater Landing Project in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, with plans to build a soccer stadium for a USL team, as well as a residential and commercial development on the Seekonk River in Pawtucket. Brett, thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? And with all your teams across the world, where are you calling in from today? Yeah, you're uh, you're finding me in Los Angeles, where I spend most of my time, but increasingly spending more and more time in Rhode Island, as you can imagine. But uh, 
it's great great to be on the show and thanks for having me we, we really appreciate your time and you've invested in multiple soccer clubs around the world now including ipswich town fc tucson phoenix rising what led to you getting so heavily involved in soccer is it a passion for the sport or do you see a you know potential growth opportunity a little bit of everything um i i grew up playing the sport um and over time or sort of post school if you will i was living in london for five years traveling around the world and you know, certainly saw, as I describe it, the religion by which the rest of the world reveres the the other football. And then uh, when I came back to the States, I started kind of religiously following uh, both the U.S. men and women's team and got wrapped up in the excitement of several World Cups. But the epiphany for me was kind of recognizing that Phoenix uh, was one of the biggest and best markets in the country without true, proper professional soccer. And you know, long story short, I had an epiphany to buy a franchise um, and, you know, branded Phoenix Rising. And I've been very fortunate to have an incredible group of partners in that market. And, you know, anyone who kind of follows USL Championship and, and Phoenix Rising, you know, can attest to the success that we've had on and off the pitch. And And as that team really started to kind of make its mark, I started thinking about other markets and you know, Rhode Island really stood out. It's, you know, unbeknownst to a lot of people, it's by far the strongest market for media, for soccer consumption in the country. Um, it's consistently in the top 10, and it's the only te- top 10 market that doesn't does not have a professional team. So all roads kind of led to trying to find a way to bring a USL championship team to that market. And you went to Brown University for college, so obviously you've got a, a lot of familiarity with Rhode Island. What What makes Pawtucket in particular such an appealing market for a soccer team? Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned that you're familiar with the with the area because of your time in Attleboro. Um, you know, the the right off I-95, um, we've got two prime pieces of riverfront property. Um, so I, I always joke that you know when I write my book on professional sports ownership, it's going to be a really short book: location, location, location. <laughs> and so bu- building a 10,000 seat soccer specific stadium right off I-95, it's about a mile away from a transportation hub that the city's building. Um, so you'll be able to take light rail. And, and you know, it's further complemented by the fact that one of the parcels is in an opportunity zone, which is an incredible program that was created in 2017 to bring sort of private and public capital to different zones. And so that, that was also important to, if you will, my business plan or vision in terms of how do you take areas that aren't always attracting capital. Uh, Pawtucket's not getting the same level of investment as other parts of the state of Rhode Island, um, but should. I mean, it's a phenomenal city. It's a phenomenal location. And anyway, I'm very pleased with the support we've had from the city of Pawtucket, from Commerce Corporation, and and I just say sort of broader Rhode Island, because I think they recognize, you know, bringing soccer to the state and then beyond. We're going to host a lot more than just, you know, men's soccer. We intend to add a women's team, we intend to have lacrosse, rugby, American football, I mean, really using the venue as a multi-purpose asset for you know Rhode Islanders and beyond. I know you mentioned uh, potentially adding a women's team. What, what are you thinking as far as league for that and kind of what, what's the status of, you know, what, what, has there been any progress on that? Well, I'm I, very impressed with what Lisa Baird's doing with NWSL. Um, so aspirationally, I would say that that's kind of on the roadmap. But that being said, USL has launched a W League um, which I'm confident we'll we'll look to be involved with that. Uh, that sounds like a kind of the right launch pad for us. But you know, the benefit of having a women's team is I really believe, you know, and I've seen from other owners 
that it really expands the fan base, understandably. Um, and then also, you know, it adds uh, additional sponsors to to the team that, you know, might not gravitate toward the men's team, but are particularly interested in the women. So I just feel anyone who's invested in the sport of soccer, you know, increasingly, you got to be looking in and investing in women's professional, but then also obviously on the youth side, um, you know, investing in girls soccer as well. Uh, Brett, real quick, uh, I, I'm sure you know that New England is without an NWSL team and uh, they've been lacking one ever since the Boston Breakers folded. Uh, have you had any conversations about Lisa Baird about bringing an NWSL team to New England? Because I know a lot of our listeners uh, were Breakers fans and they, they miss women's soccer in the area. So I'm just curious if you've had any conversations with NWSL uh, or, or the W League, as you said. Yeah, I, I mean, I uh, certainly had some conversations with NWSL, you know, but above and beyond Rhode Island, if you will, because I think Phoenix would be a great market for NWSL. They, as you know, they have a franchise launching in San Diego. They have a very prominent one that's launching in L.A. So, you know, Phoenix would be a nice uh, rivalry, regional rivalry there. You know, I think long term for New England, I think the thought of getting a team back in Boston would be fantastic. And I think, you know, you, you want to kind of cluster additional ownership groups and franchises close by. So, you know, a Rhode Island franchise would make a lot of sense. But Lisa's being very pragmatic in terms of how she's rolling out the league, which I, I respect. Um, you know, my, my belief is that when we have our 10,000-plus soccer-specific stadium in a great location, you know, that league would look at it and say, you know what, that really is a fantastic kind of ownership group, market, and stadium eventually for an NWSL franchise. But I'm prepared to be patient and kind of let let it play out as NWSL might see, you know, best for their league. Now that's a, a lot of exciting possibilities there. And, and kind of just jumping back to Pawtucket quickly, um, you know, I was somebody that grew up in the area and, and went to a lot of Pawtucket Red Sox games back when I was a kid. It was a you know, great opportunity to kind of have something that was more accessible than Boston to, you know, to, to go on club outings or birthday parties or things like that. Did you see an opening with the Pawsocks moving to, to Worcester in addition to everything else you mentioned that that kind of left a, a hole there for, for, you know, maybe a soccer team to fill? Yeah, that for sure. I mean, it is a quick answer. Uh, that, that being said, I mean, I wish the Paw, uh, Pawsocks had stayed. Um, it'd be fantastic. I mean, again, I feel it's, it just kind of broadens the overall pie, if you will, if you, if they, they'd remained there and we brought soccer to complement, you know, the broader region. But, you know, that being said, you can't kind of put Humpty Dumpty back together again. They're in Worcester. They're going to, they're doing a phenomenal job there and I wish them the best. But, you know, from my perspective, uh, Rhode Island writ large is a market that should have had professional soccer a while ago. And USL is the perfect league to bring it. And I, I feel grateful for the experience that I have because I believe with the team that we're putting together, literally on and off the pitch, with the partnership that we have with USL, with the stadium that we're going to build, I think we're going to deliver something very special to Rhode Island and, and to the broader region. And it's needed. Um, and, and for anyone who's kind of watched USL, I mean, the quality and caliber of the league just continues to go up and to the right. And, you know, the different on the East Coast. Now you've got Hartford. You're going to have Queensboro, a great ownership group there. Obviously, Louisville, Indy, Tampa, you know, uh, Charleston. I mean, they're just Pittsburgh. There's so many fantastic franchises already in the Eastern Division. So I'm very proud to have the opportunity to kind of join them with this franchise and ideally, you know, really put Rhode Island on the map in terms of professional soccer. And, and obviously Phoenix and, and Pawtucket are pretty, pretty different, do, but do you see any kind of similarities between the two as far as what, what you're building? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, you're building something from scratch, um, you know, and, and so that presents a unique opportunity and, you know, we're really going to have to tap into that Rhode Island pride, which is, which is very strong and, 
and really get them behind this team. But and it starts with you know putting a quality product on the field. And I I feel fortunate that you know if you will seven almost eight years into this, I think the experience that I have and by extension the relationships and you know the things that I've learned, it should enable us to put a very strong side on the pitch. You know right from the outset. And you know there's a lot of ways that you can market and kind of gather support. But, you know, as anyone in sports will tell you, the best way to do it is to put a good, you know, a winning product on the field. And, and as people that, that cover the New England Revolution, I think uh, there's a lot of hesitancy to get too excited about a stadium until we see uh, shovels in the ground. Um, is the groundbreaking still expected for uh, this fall? And are there any remaining hurdles that, that you need to, to pass to get there? Uh, so it'll be certainly this side of the year. So we're we're on track sort of for our timeline. And, um, you know, the great thing is right now, the capital, I, I'm, I'm investing a fair bit. I'm going to be the principal owner, but I'm rounding out the ownership group similar to what I created in, in Phoenix, which is just a world-class group of local partners and then complementing it with some strategic out-of-state partners. And that really makes a difference with these, with these franchises. It helps, you know, when it comes to moving tickets, selling sponsorship and, you know, and then just the connectivity, the broader connectivity, that ownership group. You know, again, if you look at Phoenix Rising, each one of my partners is kind of more connected, more committed than the next. I mean, one of my partners convinced Didier Drogba to come in and finish up his his career with us and join our ownership group. So, you know, I expect nothing less from what we'll create in Rhode Island. And I think it'll be really exciting and, you know, really pleased to kind of see the way this movie's playing out, especially given some of my past experience. Uh, and and Brett is I think the most recent timeline I've seen about when you are expected to join the USL Championship is 2023. Is that still the current timeline uh, for the yeah. team to field the team 2023? Yeah, that that's it. I mean, we don't we don't have a lot of wiggle room in terms of that's why the groundbreaking is critical. Um, you know, as I said, this side of the year. Um, but you know, everything right now is on track, and we're excited to join the league in 2023. And you know, this is when it's, we've been at this for a little while. I mean, it was three years ago when I had the epiphany about kind of getting a USL franchise in Rhode Island. So, you know, and now, now in respect, this is when the real work starts. So it's exciting to kind of see it on the precipice of becoming a reality. And I think with kind of each growing day, uh, each passing day, the, the support and interest continues to go from strength to strength in the state of Rhode Island. And I think people are starting to recognize that this is real. It's going to happen. And, you know, that, that's when the real excitement starts to happen. And you mentioned in your, your last question, your, your last response that you mentioned in Dita Drogba to your ownership group in Phoenix, and you've brought in a revolution legend in Michael Parkhurst to be involved with the Pawtucket team and as part of the ownership group. Uh, how did Michael Parkhurst get involved and what does he bring to the group? Yeah, I mean, I, let's, I couldn't, I can't express how excited I am to have, you know, Michael as part of it. He's been fantastic. I've had an incredible amount of respect for him as a player and an individual um, anyone who knows him, I mean, kind of knows just how professionally he is, you know, as I describe it, kind of on and off the pitch. But, you know, he's one of Rhode Island's, if not Rhode Island's best sort of professional soccer product and really understands the youth side of it. And as an ambassador for us, um, you know, he's just invaluable. Um, and and then obviously his history with New England Revolution is great. I, I look forward to collaborating. I think we'll have a very strong relationship with the revolution. I think you know, we will be an asset for them, um, you know, much the same as Phoenix Rising is an asset for LAFC and some of the other MLS teams in, in the region. So I expect that there'll be strong opportunities to collaborate and, you know, as I said, kind of help lift soccer up in the broader New England area. I'm thrilled with how the Revolution are doing, you know, this season. It's been exciting to watch. 
Yeah, and, and actually speaking about the revolution, uh, you know, Foxborough is not too, too far away from Pawtucket. Does having the New England Revolution that close by, do you think that helps or, or hurts? Do you think it might be, you know, a, a competition in the market? Or do you think that the local area is already kind of a soccer market that you can tap into? Yeah, I mean, I'm so bullish in terms of the untapped strength of the Rhode Island consumer to get behind a Rhode Island team. I mean, I think you got a hardcore soccer fan that's going to always have their kind of core team, if you will. You know, maybe it's a Portuguese team, a Premier League team, whatever it is. But I think they'll start to come to a game like what they see, like the experience and start to gravitate towards, you know, supporting the Rhode Island team. And then I, I do think that the core New England Revolution fan are going to remain a New England Revolution fan. I don't think it's a competition where, you know, we're going to be trying to be picking off a very small subset of, of consumers. I think I'm going to just increase the pie. And I think uh, we're going to take the broader sport, especially leading up to World Cup in 26. I think we're going to take and lift the broader sport in the region. And, you know, much the same as Hartford. Hartford's carving out a nice, you know, ground groundswell of support for for its team and i think rhode island will do the same and we'll have some fantastic rivalries and hopefully you know we'll be able to uh, put a strong side and you know potentially play the revolution in a u.s open cup game that would be you know beyond exciting yes uh and the revolution in recent years have loaned players to usl championship sides like birmingham uh, obviously there's a jay heaps connection there uh, i think last year they they loaned cody cropper down to hartford athletic for a few games have you had any conversations about the revolution about an affiliation or any sort of working relationship no not not yet not officially but you know we welcome it and again i think that's where parkhurst will play an invaluable relationship i mean i intend on you know, hiring an exceptional coach. Um, I brought Frank Yall up I mean, seven years ago. I brought Frank Yall up to, at that time, a League Three team in Arizona United, the predecessor team that I owned to Phoenix before I rebranded it to Phoenix Rising. So, you know, I'm confident I'm going to bring in a world-class coach to head up this organization. I, I have a bias to coaches that have coached in North America because I do think it's a separate, you know, it's a very distinct market and you need the relationships. You need to be able to, to pick up the phone, talk to Bruce and try to see if you can, you know, get a number nine on loan. And that's one of many reasons why Phoenix has been successful because Rick Schantz's, our head coach, is really connected, you know, with that sort of MLS ecosystem. Not only the revolution, but obviously there's a lot of USL teams that are forming. Uh, notably, Portland, Maine is looking to add a team in the near future. Uh, New Hampshire, Vermont ha also are, are talking about adding USL sides. Uh, and then also there's a very good uh, local community uh, with teams like Providence City. Uh, have you been in contact with any other USL sides or local sides about forming a partnership or anything like that? So I, uh, I've been talking to a lot of the guys in that are involved or getting behind um, the USL League One opportunities in Maine and, and New Hampshire and, you know, welcome relationships with them. I'm, I'm really bullish on sort of the future of soccer at all levels. You know, MLS is doing great. USL championship is, again, going from strength to strength and how that's grown and evolved again in the seven years that I've been involved has just been inspiring. And then I'm, I'm really, really, uh, bullish on league one and i think you need to really fill out in the new england region we should try to get you know 10 plus league one teams throughout so that they can effectively cut down the travel costs and have great kind of regional rivalries and have an incredible pathway to talent in the new england area to go pro so i think the long term it's exciting if you're an american and you you know or or either a player and or just a fan 
you know, what's going on in this sport and how it's going to continue to grow, especially leading up to the World Cup. And then it, it's going to hit a tipping point. And I, I really believe that soccer will really firm itself, you know, as one of the legitimate major sports in this country, you know, from 26 and beyond. And I'm thrilled to kind of play whatever small port, uh, part that I get to play in, in that evolution. And then uh, one other team I want to ask about, too, is obviously uh, you recently acquired uh, Ipswich Town over in England. Uh, will Rhode Island or, or Phoenix, for that matter, uh, will there be any sort of affiliation with them? Because I know that USL is developing. I, I know I forget the name, but I know one player from Louisville City uh, recently transferred to Europe. So there's a lot of talent going through USL. Uh, is there any sort of potential partnership with Ipswich as well? Yeah, massive, massive opportunity. I mean, increasingly, again, um, we just sent um, Phoenix Rising. We just sent uh, Rufat Dadashov over to Germany. Uh, he joined Schalke. I mean, so that was great for us to take a guy who had played for us for a couple seasons, done very well, and and have him go and kind of ply his trade over for a German club. So I, I think that long term, the amount of foreign clubs that will affiliate, and I actually will take a step further, I think that will actually either acquire and or invest in USL, both championship and league one, I think the floodgates are going to come wide open because you can own the team sort of completely independent, you know, MLS with the utmost respect, it's a cooperative. So you're sharing player trading revenue with all the other teams. And I think a lot of foreign clubs are reluctant to, to give up that slice of that pie, if you will. And so I think USL championship in particular is going to be a great place for deep foreign clubs in terms of talent to start bringing players over here, get them better minutes and monetize them in some type of sharing relationship, you know, with the team's stateside. So I just, I, I think we're just barely scratching the surface of what player development, player monetization is going to mean and how people will be able to leverage in the most positive sense, North American teams, infrastructure and, and talent to kind of advance careers, both domestic careers, meaning American players, and then also young foreign players that, you know, would we would be put on loan into to a Rhode Island club. So, you know, specific with Ipswich, it's a dream come true for me and my partners to own an interest in such a prominent club. You know, we're very focused on kind of restoring it to its prior glory, which, you know, in, in our mind is back up in the Premier League, which is going to take a lot of time and work to get it there. But I believe it can. But that being said, Mark Ashton, who's the CEO we brought in for Bristol City, He's salivating at the opportunity of taking Ipswich's very deep academy and seeing which players would make sense to loan, whether it's to Phoenix or to, to, to Rhode Island. And again, I'm confident that'll accelerate their careers, and I'm confident there's an economic model that would make sense for both Ipswich and, you know, sort of these USL championship teams. So, yeah, it's a, I get really long way. Apologies for, for such a long-winded answer, but a really long way of saying, yeah, it's going to be beyond exciting to see what's going to materialize just in stuff in terms of stuff that I've got my affiliation or relationship with and then beyond. I'm confident every other USL team will start to have foreign partnerships that will really start to transform the quality caliber and sort of the economics of, of North American soccer. No, that's really exciting. And we've seen a lot of growth in USL, as you've mentioned Uh Really quick, uh, I wanted to ask you about the um, MLS Reserve League. I don't know if they have a name for it yet, but uh, there's been reports that MLS is planning to launch a league that is in the third division, which I, I guess is supposed to rival USL. Uh, is, is there any concern about MLS kind of instituting their own minor league system and, and its impact on USL? Yeah, I, I mean, again, I, I'm bullish on kind of soccer writ large, and I think each of these leagues, you know, MLS specifically and USL are, are very, very different models, um, very different economic approaches to the sport. 
um, I think the primary focus for MLS is their, obviously, understandably, their their first team. I think their third team or whatever it's called, MLS Reserve, will really be about finding a pathway to get their players in their systems better minutes. Um, but it's really not going to be about marketing out and selling tickets and building up a brand for an MLS three. Um, you know, as you've seen, they've struggled in USL championship to kind of sell tickets and, and understandably so. I mean, if you if you're in L.A., you want to go to an L.A. Galaxy game, not an L.A. Galaxy two game. Um, you know, so the attendance is always going to struggle. No matter they can you know practically sell the give the tickets away for free. And it's just you're not going to be attracting that core consumer, especially when you play in basically the same facilities or in the same ge- geographic region. I think Seattle might be doing a better job because they put the other team in uh, Tacoma, you know, and so kind of ta- targeting a different market. But lo- longer term, I think USL championship is really establishing itself as a very legitimate competitive league. The attendance numbers continue going up or to the right. The ownership groups are fantastic. And I think League One will really establish itself where you'll see kind of like that AAA model where you see great towns that will come out and support their local USL League One teams. And I mean, something that we haven't touched upon is, is I'm sure you're, you're aware that USL was recently talking about shifting to the international calendar, uh, which I think is really important. And then, you know, potentially adopting promotion relegation. And that that from my vantage point that both those moves become really exciting. And again, just differentiate USL, you know, relative to how it approaches soccer, how it approaches North America and how it views building up both championship and league one, you know, long term. And it's not to mean that I'm bullish on MLS. I mean, the valuations that MLS are seeing, some of the markets, L.A., Austin, you know, et cetera, you know, the new Columbus Stadium. You you can't look at what MLS is doing and not be impressed by it. But I think similarly, you can't look at USL and, and not also look at it and say, you know what, from a business model, these guys or, you know, as a league, I think they're making a lot of right decisions in terms of how to grow their brand and franchise and, and overall ownership groups. You kind of actually touched on my next question about ProRel. Um, and, and this question can also apply to the international uh, calendar, too. But do you foresee that happening in the near future? It sounds like you do. Um, and what are the advantages to ProRel and, and switching to the international uh, the, the international schedule? Well, I'll take the second part first. I, the, the benefit of the international schedule is obviously teams going back to kind of Ipswich. Ipswich would be in a much better position to loan players to, you know, again, a USL championship team if the seasons are aligning with each other. So I, I think it's a brilliant move. I'm a big fan of it. I mean, obviously, we're going to have to deal with some some what I call weather issues, um, you know, during during the winter months. But I also think that there's ways for us to kind of spend more time on the road during those times. And you know, flip this flip in the fall and in the spring when the weather's better, you know, have a busier home season. So I'm confident it can be tackled and we're not the only market that has to deal with tough weather. Um, on, on In terms of promotion relegation, I think one of many strengths and opportunities for USL is to adopt promotion relegation. And, and I really believe that what makes international football so exciting is promotion relegation. What makes the sports betting interest for the media rights interest is that every game truly matters. And so I think the thought or prospect of a pathway to promotion relegation in North America is really valuable. And I think, you know, USL is in a unique position to to adopt it. I, how soon it might happen, I can't I can't, you know, opine. But I just know that speaking for myself and the sort of significant interest that I have kind of now domestically and, and overseas, I am really, really bullish on that move. And 
look, if I if I were to take my Phoenix team and somehow we were able, we were relegated, you know, the reality is I'm sure there'd be some type of compensation, which was reasonable to, you know, to to handle that relegation. Um, but I, we'd be prepared as an ownership group to accept it because I think, again, the net net benefit would be quality and caliber of, of every single game, um, the investment that every team would inherently make. And then I just finally say, you know, just bottling that similar construct that's so popular overseas and bringing it to America. It's not a bold statement to say that it's truly been holding, I think, North American soccer back. And I, I get why MLS doesn't have it. I get I get why MLS would be challenged to adopt it. But, you know, fortunately, USL is not in that similar position. I did want to quickly jump back to Ipswich because you talked about bringing that club kind of back to its glory years. And one of the guys that was kind of a legend from that team back in the glory glory years was Paul Mariner, who was also kind of a legend in New England soccer now, too. I was I was just wondering if you ever got a chance to to meet him. Uh, he, um, or yeah, to talk so, to him. so sad and so tragic. And, you know, just my my heart goes out to Paul's extended family. I, I did not I never had the pleasure to meet him, um, but it, he was it was on my short list like I. I was so excited for the opportunity to find ways to to meet him in person and, and obviously given his relationship with Revolution and given what we were doing in Rhode Island, I saw a great fit and pathway. Um, so, you know, the, the world's a lesser place with him gone now. Um, but, you know, look, look forward at some point. I, I hope that I can bring Ipswich over, um, you know, and obviously do a friendly in the Rhode Island Stadium and, you know, figure out ways to, to work with the Revolution. And, you know, I think that'd be appropriate way among many different pathways to honor the legacy uh, of Paul Mariner. So uh, it just, just so sad that that really hit me that hit all of us, you know, very, very hard. Um, you know, something we're kind of living with day, every single day, but I look forward to doing whatever I can to help to, to honor and memorialize, you know, Paul Mariner's incredible legacy on the sport on and off the pitch um, in whatever little, little way that I can. Yeah, that sounds like a, a fantastic idea, and I, I I hope to see that happen. We we're running up against our time here, but I did want to ask you one last question. You know, obviously, always an exciting moment when a, a, the team name comes out. Is there any timeline on that, or or any thoughts on kind of what process you're going to come go through to come up with the team name? Yeah, we. So I'm really excited to kind of engage the broader community. So we 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 are kind of right now trying to figure out how to navigate the right uh, resources. To start to look at doing, you know, uh, getting getting a bunch of passionate Rhode Islanders together to really start to brainstorm. I mean, I, I want literally want the ownership, as with so many of these assets, I want the ownership to be with the the with Rhode Islanders. I want them to take credit for ultimately the naming, the branding, the logo, et cetera. And and you know, I, I look at how LAFC in my market they did a brilliant job in terms of how they navigated that. And I'd like to take you know just any any similar page from their playbook and start to replicate that in Rhode Island. But that's again where now that we have this ownership group coming together, we have capital coming in, you know, we're stepping on the gas and we're kind of shifting from everything it took to get all of these properties entitled and zoned and and you know kind of set to put a shovel in the ground. Now for me, the really exciting part is, you know, how do we start to make this soccer team a reality? And so we're we're gonna be uh hopefully this side of the year we're gonna have a lot of those sort of um you know, feedback, um, you know, organizations are, you know, all those different meetings where we get different stakeholders up and down the state. And it's not just the passionate fans. I think there's so much diversity that you can tap into to try to figure out how to properly brand it. But I, I'll be excited to see what it comes up with. I've, I've certainly got some thoughts, but I want to defer to the collective brain trust, if you will.
we're all very excited to see what you come up with as well and are really looking forward to you know the stadium being built and getting a chance to go to go down and visit it it's an extremely exciting project brett thanks so much for joining us today it was great to chat with you about the project and Pawtucket and, and everything else you're working on a, a lot of a lot of things to look forward to in new england no i appreciate it look it's a real honor for me to be on your show um congratulations and thank you for i i, I love any everything that you guys are doing and most importantly i love anyone who's kind of investing and supporting in the broader sport that, that obviously means so much to me so thank you so much and i welcome as we kind of go shovels in the ground would love to have you at the the groundbreaking and then more importantly welcome kind of you know staying staying in front of you guys as this project continues to advance so thank you